welcome to the Covenant Experience Podcast. At Covenant, we are growing passionate followers of Jesus Christ who serve all people. If you live in the tri-state area, we welcome you to join us on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. You can find more information about us online at covenantexperience.com or call us at 304-876-2212 with any questions. And now today's message. You know, here at Covenant, we place a high value on the opportunities we have to touch the world around us. With our engagement in Vietnam and the opportunities that that affords us, and sometimes things happen across the world, and with, with technology, you see things more quickly than normal. Uh, things happen more rapidly, but sometimes there's still that disconnect we have, isn't it? That things that happen across the world, they don't affect us. They're not uh, something that we have to worry about. But the fact of the matter is things happen across the world, and it's important for us to understand those things and what's going on around us at all times. This morning, we get a glimpse. We're going to get a glimpse into some opportunity, uh, some, a family they had an opportunity a year ago, and Phil was telling me this morning, uh, to, uh, to impact the world across the, on the other side of the globe and impact a young lady's life on the other side of the globe. I want to invite Phil and Christy Graves to come up. Phil is the pastor of First Baptist Church, Brunswick, Maryland. Uh, Phil and Christy have been married 20 years. They have five kids, and we're going to hear a little bit about their most recent addition to their family uh, and as we talk to them this morning about what God has done in their family and what God continues to do. So, Phil, good to see you. I actually have a personal connection to Phil. I preached at First Baptist Church Brunswick the Sunday before you started. So, I don't know if you knew that or not. I think I... Green light, yep. It's red. Green, there you go. It was, uh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Okay. Uh, at least I didn't remember. Well, I, it's been a while. Yeah. You've been there quite a while. How many yeah, years have you been in Brunswick? Uh, I'm working on 12. So 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah, wow. That's pretty cool. So I think we may have some slides posted up. We've been having some difficulties this morning with our, but we, of, of some of the things that they've gone through. But just talk to us real quickly about uh, what drew you to the Ukraine and Brizzy. Well, uh, I have to give you a little backstory. So when Christy and I got married, we talked about adoption. But then we had our own biological children. We had Kara in 2004, Ethan in 2006, Owen in 2010, and in 2015, Christy came to me and said, you know, we talked about adopting a child when we were first married, and if we're going to do that, we should do it soon because we're getting old. <laughs> and so we began the process of um, adopting, and uh, some friends of ours in 2013 had adopted two boys from Ukraine who had Down syndrome. And so we were talking to them, and we asked them, you know, how did this happen? And they told us they found their boys on a website called Reese's Rainbow. Hmm. And Reese's Rainbow was established by a mother who had a Down syndrome child naturally. And she had so much trouble finding services for her son that she's like, I wonder how, this, how people handle it in, you know, third world countries, Eastern Europe. And she discovered that kids with special needs were basically just given up and locked away mm. in a lot of the world. And so she started this website for the intention of advocating for the international adoption of kids with special needs. Started with Down syndrome and then added other children as other people became interested. And since 2005, I think, is when she started it, they've brought home almost 3,000 kids. Mm. Um, and so... Our friends told us about Reese's Rainbow, so we went on there and started looking at profiles, and we found uh, 
we found a girl that um, we just, our hearts were drawn to. But on Reese's Rainbow, it doesn't tell you where they are. So you have to inquire with the adoption agency, mm -hmm. and then they tell you where they are. Okay. So uh, we found Eliana, and she was in Armenia. Uh, we adopted her in 2017. And uh, she has spina bifida, and what used to be us going to baseball practice and ballet is now, was now doctor's appointments, surgeries, and therapies. And she, our hands were full. And then in 2021, Christy came to me and said, I think God wants us to adopt again. And I said, what? <laughs> Four is enough. She said, I can't shake it. And so I told her, I made a deal with God. Anytime he opened a window or a door, I would walk through it. And so uh, she had seen Brizzy on uh, the Reese's Rainbow Facebook page. A family had been planning to adopt her, and then they couldn't. So she, they relisted her. And uh, as soon as I saw her, I knew she was my child. And I can't explain it to you other than that's my kid. And so... Uh, we inquired about her and then found out she was in Ukraine. So with both our kids, it's been God showed us the child, and then we found out where oh, they were. Okay. So tell us a little about this, the story of getting to Brizzy and, and what God did in the middle of that, because there was some, some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Um, why don't you tell some of it, Christy? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's the talker. So... Um, we saw her listing on uh, Facebook. We inquired about her and began the process to adopt her. And then we discovered that she had been the feature on an Australian broadcasting company um, special, kind of like our Dateline NBC or something like that. Uh, the Australian uh, broadcasting company did a um, story on the dark side of international surrogacy. Mm. So Brizzy's biological parents are Americans who couldn't have a baby. The dad was 39 and the mom was 60. And so they decided they wanted to have children, so they uh, found a company in Ukraine because uh, uh, surrogacy and uh, that is much cheaper in Ukraine than it is here. It's about half the cost. Okay. So uh, they had three eggs that were uh, implanted in the surrogate. It was the dad and, the, and then a donor egg because okay. um, the mom was 60. Yeah. So three, three embryos were implanted, and uh, they all took. And so one was eliminated early in the pregnancy. And then at 25 weeks, Brizzy and her brother had to be born because of some complications with the surrogate. So um, her brother died after six days, and they thought she would be profoundly disabled if she even lived. So uh, her parents, her American parents, decided they wouldn't, wouldn't, weren't going to mm -hmm. take her. Um, and they went on to um, have a, do another surrogacy, and they got uh, twin boys from that. Well, about the time they were getting the twin boys, they discovered that Brizzy had lived, and um, they were given the option. And they just decided they couldn't handle it all together, so they uh, allowed the government of Ukraine to put her up for adoption. Okay. Cool. So what was, you know, in, so... All this happens is happening. All these things are happening. Brizzy's opportunities, but then y'all find out what and 
late 2022? No, we no, found it in 2021. That, all this story. That, yeah, that what but everything's happened. coming together yeah. that she's com you're going to be having the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, when we started this adoption, we were also told. Okay. <laughs> um, we were told. Um, there we go. That it would be a six to nine month process. <laughs> so we're like, oh, yay, this is going to be fast, you know? And um, Eliana's adoption took 16 months. So we were really excited that this was going to be a fast one. But at least, uh, needless to say, it did not work out that way. <laughs> um, but in early um, 2021, is when we found out, um, we thought we were going to go in January to get her. And we, our judge had COVID. and. Um, Brizzy had some citizenship issues, so it didn't end up happening. And um, we were just nervous and waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, we were expecting to get a court date. What day was it? February 25th. February 25th. And if you all have been following the Ukrainian war, they declared, um, Russia declared war on Ukraine uh, February 24th. And at that point, we were devastated. Uh, in 2012, the Russians stopped allowing Americans to, to uh, yeah. adopt. And so we were worried that if Russia took over Ukraine, which, listen, let's be honest, everybody thought it was going to be over in just a couple days. We were worried that we would never be able to get her. And we had actually met her in December of 2021. So when I tell you that she was our child before we met her, mm -hmm. after we met her, she was like, definitely our child. We told her we were coming back. Yeah, we told her we were coming back. And when, so because of Brizzy's popularity on the world stage with uh, the story about her, when after we'd met her, we'd been contacted by a journalist from the German magazine Der Spiegel, and he said that he wanted to come with us when we went back to get her to do a story. Well, when the war started, he called me and said, I need to come talk to you. And I was like, okay, when do you want to come? He said, I'll be there tomorrow. Hmm. And I'm like, where are you coming from? He's like, I'm in St. Petersburg, Russia right now. <laughs> and so he caught a plane and came to our house the next day and spent three weeks with us talking about, like, how is this impacting you? What are you going to do? And he was also like, why don't you call this person? Why don't you call this person? And I was like, I don't feel like I should. I mean, they're fighting for their country, and I don't want to be like, I need my kid, I need my kid. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, I need my kid, I need my kid. So I contacted the, um, the director of the orphanage, and she told me that they were sheltering at the orphanage. I contacted the guy who was like the main donor to the orphanage, and he's like, I don't know what's going on, because he was in like Belgium. Oh, and then I, I was also given the contact information for a woman who had been President Zelensky's press secretary up until like right before the war. Mm. And she's like, I, I can't help you. I don't, mm. I don't have any power. And so we were just praying and hoping and we did a prayer vigil at our church. Uh, there was, so the, the article from Der Spiegel came out. The, the, uh, the, uh, Journalist was with us for three weeks. He stayed mm. around three weeks. And uh, I don't know what he did. I mean, he would talk to me. We'd have lunch. And yeah. But I don't know what he was doing the other times. <laughs> but then what happened was an amazing miracle of God. 
because, uh, and the, so I didn't mention, there's a woman named Marina Boyko who was a nurse at the hospital where Brizzy was when she was first born. And Marina fell in love with Brizzy and took extra care of her. And once she was well enough to go to the orphanage, she would go and visit mm -hmm. Brizzy in the orphanage. And she raised money to take Brizzy to therapies outside of the orphanage. And she just became basically her de facto mom. Mm -hmm. But she couldn't adopt her. So Marina spent five years trying to find someone to adopt Brizzy. She tried with her original family, and they didn't respond. And she reached out to so many people. Well, when we decided to adopt her, because I found out about her through the story, I found her on Facebook, and friend requested her, and so she was giving us all this kind of information about mm -hmm. Brizzy, and she would go visit Brizzy in the orphanage, and there were a couple times we were able to FaceTime. Uh, one time, we were talking to her. It was er we got up early in the morning, like 5 in the morning, because that's when Marina could be at the orphanage, and uh, we were talking. Timothy, the journalist, was there, so he was interpreting for us, and Marina said, we have to go. The air raid sirens just went off, mm. and it was like, and then it just went. She hung up. Yeah. So, uncertainty, fear, but trusting in God. So, it came to be mid-April, and Christy and her mom and our daughter Kara had planned to go to California for Kara's spring break as our graduation gift to her. She was graduating from high school, mm. and so Christy and Kara and, her, and uh, Janice, Christie's mom, had gone to California. And I got a message from Marina saying, the judge said he will let you come to court and get Brizzy. Wow. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> you know there's a war going on, yeah. right? She said, oh he will let you come. You just need to tell us when you can get here. Yeah. And so Marina has no power in the adoption process at all. So I contacted our adoption facilitator, like with our adoption agency, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I just got told that we could go to court. And our facilitator said, what? There's a war going on there. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so she's like, let me check. I told her what Marina had said, and she said, let me check with Alex, who is the in-country facilitator. So she called him, and then she called, called right back. She's right. You need to tell them when you can come. You can come anytime between... Uh, I think it was April 25th and May 9th, or May 10th. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do. Christy's on a plane. We're obviously going to go, yeah. but I don't know when or how. So I waited until Christy got to where they were going. And I'm like, Christy, we can go get Brizzy. She's like, what? <laughs> and so while she was in California, I was working out all the details. Uh, I didn't want to go May 10th because... May 9th was the celebration of uh, Russian victory in World War II, and there was a thought that uh, Putin would do something so that mm. he could declare victory in Ukraine. So I was like, as soon as we can go, we're going to go. So Christy got home on a Sunday, and we left to go to Ukraine on a Tuesday. Wow. Uh, a friend of mine from high school had agreed uh, to pay our airfare. Mm. Uh, she had covered all our airfare with Eliana. So I let her know, and she's like, Yep, and so she made the, the flight plans for us. Um, we had to fly to Poland because you can't fly into Ukraine because of the war. So 
I called Timothy, the journalist from Der Spiegel. I said, we're going to get her. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you can't tell anybody, but we're going to get her. He's like, what can I do? So he met us in, in Warsaw at the airport and picked us up and drove us to the border. Mm. We spent the night and the next morning got up and went to the Polish border and we had to hitchhike across the border. Wow. Because Timothy's a Russian national, a Russian citizen, so he couldn't go into Ukraine right. without causing all that kinds of trouble much. for us. Because <laughs> oh you don't want to be in Ukraine with a Russian. Yeah. At least right now. <laughs> and our adoption facilitator couldn't leave Ukraine to come get us because he's a Ukrainian male of military age, so he, they can't leave. Yeah. So we, stuck, we hung around for about an hour and a half trying to get someone to give us a ride across the border. They wouldn't let us walk. Hmm. Well, we finally found a truck driver who was willing to take us, but then we discovered that his truck was full of body armor, and so the Poles, the Poles were going to check it all, the Ukrainians were going to check it all, and we would have been there for two days. Wow. So we finally got a, a ride in a Red Cross van, and the Red Cross guy didn't speak English, I didn't speak Polish, and there was no Wi-Fi for translation, translation <laughs> until we got to the border, and then I picked up a Wi-Fi signal, and so I was able to get us into Ukraine, and our facilitator picked us up. We pulled out of the um, border, and he was standing in the middle of the road. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> he knew we were in a Red yeah. Cross van. So he picked us up and drove us across the country to Kiev, and uh, we passed, the like every so often there were I guess they didn't get the yeah, pictures up. Every so often, there were bar barricades um, with soldiers to just, mostly it was just to slow you down so they could look in your car. Yeah. But the closer we got to Kiev, the worse it got as far as buildings blown up, um, gas stations blown up. Our facilitator said the Russians blew up every gas station they saw. Mm. Um, there was a Mary Kay factory near Kiev. Who knew Mary Kay was in Ukraine? <laughs> but that factory had been hit. Um, there was a bridge going over a river that had been taken out, so we had to like, go down around, go across a temporary uh, bridge to get back up on the freeway. The freeway was littered with like potholes and stuff from artillery, destroyed homes. We got into Kiev, um, went to dinner, and then went to our facilitator's uh, apartment to get freshened up. Went to a grocery store to get some food because we were taking a night train to Brizzy City which is um, where the, near where the nuclear power plant they've been fighting over is. Mm -hmm. It's like 50 miles away, oh, called wow. Zaporizhia. And, uh, oh, by the way, on the way, while we were in the car going to Kiev, I got email from the U.S. Embassy saying, hey, we heard you're going to Ukraine. That's a really bad idea. <laughs> and, and I emailed back, yeah, we're already here. And I was afraid they were going to tell us to turn around. Yeah. But it, after a few exchanges, they were like, be safe. Uh, stay away from the Russians, because if they capture you, it won't be good. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and so um, they said, anything we can do to help you, let us know. Yeah. So we were freshening up in the apartment. We came downstairs to go out. And I had heard a bang. And I thought it was the elevator like shaking in the shaft. But we went outside and there was smoke mm. rising from about half a kilometer away. And it ended up that the Russians had hit an apartment complex with two missiles. Mm. And so that's when it kind of got real, You're real. <laughs> so there was a photographer with us because the, the Der Spiegel wanted to follow us. He sped off to go to that 
because it's you know yeah, happening. Take pictures news. of that. Yeah. We went to the train station, got on a train, and went down to Brizzy City. Now let me just tell you, you guys remember COVID, right? The pandemic that we just came through. <laughs> no. During COVID, adoptions were still being allowed to happen, and so what they would do is they would have virtual court. The American parents would be on the, on the screen, the judge would be on the other side of the screen, and they would do all the process, and then the people were allowed to then go, go to Ukraine, get the kid, and come right back. Mm. So we asked before we left, can we do a virtual court? No. Mm. Because COVID, very scary. You don't want to take the risks. <laughs> With Russians, Ah, they're just Russians, right? <laughs> so why don't you both come? We know you have four other kids. Yeah. Just come over here anyway. Yeah. So uh, we went to court on the 28th. No, the 29th. 29th. You're she became our official child, legally. We took the train back to Kiev, got in the car, and Marina came with us. And then we drove back to western Ukraine to Lviv to pick Brizzy up on the 30th. So one year today, we were crossing the border into Poland and we announced on Facebook what we had done because we kept it um, off of social media because nobody wants to broadcast an America, Americans in Ukraine. So <laughs> it's actually one year today that she was with us and we were on our way to Poland. There we go. That's some pictures up Yeah, so can you go back? I'm sorry. There was no instructions. I didn't send any instructions about the pictures. <laughs> Can you go back to like the, um, the one after the war slide? Let's see if we can get that. So these are some of the barricades that we saw. This was in Zaporizhia. And then uh, this was, this is a staged photo of us at the train station. Because <laughs> uh, the photographer had gone, so he wasn't with us on the trip. So he met us there and he's like, Let's take some pictures by the train. <laughs> and then this is the apartment building that had gotten hit by the mm. missiles. The photographer gave us that. We'd, I, we didn't go there. And then uh, this is a tank that we saw coming in to Kiev. And then we stopped on the way back out of Kiev to get our picture taken with it. Um, for those of you who were born back in the 1900s and uh, remember the movie um, Red, Red Dawn, Dawn. Mm -hmm. On the turret there, and on the back of it, someone had spray-painted Wolverines. <laughs> uh, this is us. Uh, as we were coming into Kiev, we met the photographer. Behind us is a blown-up restaurant. Wow. We were also told to stay away from any roadside stuff out of the woods because they were afraid there were still landmines that we might get a hold of. And then this is uh, us in court. Um, while we were waiting for court to start, the air raid sirens went off, and the judge came and said, would you like to go shelter in the basement until the air raid sirens go off? And I looked around the courtroom. There was a, like the court recorder mm -hmm. was looking at her phone. Our adoption facilitator was looking at his phone. I'm like, is anybody else going to go? And they're like, no. And so we're like, all right, we'll just stay here. <laughs> and then this is uh, Marina with Brizzy when we first got to pick, go to pick her up. Uh, I'm so grateful for Marina because she loves Brizzy mm -hmm. and allowed Brizzy to have that relationship with her. And having Marina with us at the orphanage helped Brizzy be more calm 
because yeah. she knew Marina and was comfortable going mm -hmm. with Marina. Yeah. And so us just showing up and being like, we're mom and dad, you're going with us. <laughs> like, look at me. You don't want to go with me. <laughs> so this was our first picture as a family outside of the temporary orphanage. And then we went to Poland, and we were in Poland for 12 days. Uh, we got Brizzy out of Ukraine without a passport. And let me just tell you something. Christy mentioned a few minutes ago that there were some citizenship issues with Brizzy. I don't know when they would have ever been fixed because she had American parents, but she was born to Ukrainian surrogate. And we were waiting for that all to be worked out. When the war happened, the paperwork we were waiting to get filled out, just sitting on someone's desk, it's probably still sitting on someone's mm. desk. But because we were able to adopt her, get her out of Ukraine with just the adoption paperwork, we got an emergency visa in Poland from the US Embassy, brought her to the United States, and when we got here, she became an American citizen as soon as we landed because of the paperwork we'd done uh, prior to going. Wow. So God used Russia to solve our citizenship Ship issues with Wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Tell us, oh, go is, ahead, tell me about your sorry, family. Sorry, then this is, our, this is our five children, uh, Kara, Ethan, Owen, Eliana, and Brizzy. Um, let me just point out, can you go back? I'm sorry, I keep making you go back. <laughs> so when we first got Brizzy, she has cerebral palsy and clubbed feet, so her feet were pointed and turned in. Brizzy couldn't stand on her own, but if you did help her stand, her left ankle, she would have sideways, and that's where she would mm. bear her weight. It wow. looked so painful. And, and, and our teens know their oldest daughter because at Reboot this past January, our teens got to hang out with her. And, and she's going to be at, back at Skycroft this summer working. So our teens got to play a crazy card game with her and had a great time with her. And did some other things. Tell us about your church and how your church and other followers of Christ helped you guys in this process. So when we adopted Eliana, we had to, it's, a, it's about $35,000, $40,000 to adopt a child internationally. I don't know what it costs domestically, probably a little less than that. Uh, we borrowed some money from Christie's retirement, and we did all kinds of fundraisers to raise the money to get her. And when Christy said this time, I was like, I don't want to raise money. I don't want to borrow money. And I don't want to do fundraisers. So I was like, if we're going to do this, God's going to have to come through in a big way. So the first amount you need is about $10,000. So I did a fundraiser on Facebook. said, hey, we're adopting again. We need 10 grand. Within just a few days, 10 grand came in. Mm. Um, people were so generous, people around the country. People from our church, very gracious, very kind, praying for us, supporting us, because they knew how busy we were with just Eliana, and so we thought they were going to think we were crazy for doing it again, but they were, they were so excited. That's awesome. They were so excited. We also um, have a lot of contacts with um, people, pastors at other churches, just from being in um, this association for a long time. Yeah. And my best friend um, is Krissa Beard, and her husband is the pastor, Jay Beard, at um, First Baptist Church in Thurmont. And um, having them as support and prayer and their community, their church community lifted us up. And then I'm a part of a um, prayer group that 
Faith Baptist in Knoxville is uh, heavily attended, and they were lifting us up. And when we, um, we didn't even know how many people were praying for us. Um, it was too many to count. We, um, we didn't come out and say, hey, we're going to Ukraine on social media. Please pray for us. But we were able to um, let key people know, mm -hmm. to let their churches know to pray for us while we were there. And um, it was huge. Um, when we were there, Phil mentioned, you know, it didn't get real until we were in Kiev and the uh, missile strike. Um, I think about the peace and the calm that I had while we were there. And I just like, I know God brought us here. I know that he's gonna be faithful. He didn't bring us to Ukraine to get blown up for our children to be orphaned when we were trying to save an orphan. Um, but it wasn't until we were in Poland and we took a deep breath and we're like, oh my goodness, what did we just do <laughs> the last four days? We're insane, we really are insane. I know my um, mother was very bright, afraid for us and she, um, is a person of faith too and she was very very scared because she, you know she's thinking my daughter and my son-in-law are going to get blown up and i'm going to mm. be with her children raising them but we that's just what <laughs> that's what she's that's afraid what she's of, of. <laughs> um, but <laughs> bella and i just had this peace from the very beginning from like okay we're going we're like this is really weird i didn't expect to be going during a war but um all those prayers were really felt, and I'm guessing maybe even your church was yeah, one we, of the ones praying for us. Made people aware, and of it. there was just so many people. And and um, after the fact, I kept hearing, "Oh, we were praying for your church. We, our, our church was praying for you while you were in Ukraine," and it was very much felt. No. That's awesome. So one of the, I know you didn't ask me this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> one more. It was uh, really scary to leave our other children, but. Think about the fact that if one of your children was stuck behind enemy lines and you knew the only way you could get them is if you went yourself, mm -hmm. you would all go. Yeah. If you're a parent, you would absolutely go. So you might think we're crazy. We are. We adopted two kids after we already had three. But she's our child and we had to go get her. There wasn't even a question if we were going to go. Awesome. I just said, we're going. And... Uh, the thing that I've learned to appreciate since getting back and having time to reflect on it is I now understand why Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. Mm -hmm. Because the nine, I knew my kids here were safe. I knew they had people that loved them, people who were looking out for them. But my child who was at risk, I had to get her. Mm -hmm. There was like this comp compulsion. Yeah. I can't describe it as like this desperation to go there and get her. And then when we were finally in Poland, it was like, okay. And then I was anxious to get home back to my other children. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Awesome story. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for being a part of our service today. We will... Phil and Christy and their two daughters that are here this morning will be uh, out in the foyer um, after the service to, if y'all want to come by and talk to them a little bit more, um, thank you for this and, and thank you for all that you, the, the way you've opened our eyes to see this opportunities that are out there. Can I say one more thing? Maybe. <laughs> if you are in any way capable of adopting a child, 
Would you pray that God would put that on your heart to do? You have a church right here that will support you. Mm -hmm. And if God's called you to adopt a child, he'll provide the money. We did not have $40,000 laying around. Mm -hmm. But I could tell you story after story after story of how God provided when we needed it. And God's continued to be faithful. Uh, we've been struggling financially, adding Brizzy to our family because of the extra cost for medical mm -hmm. and stuff. Christy just got a significant raise at work that was unexpected. And it's just God, God blessing us mm -hmm. for, for our obedience to him. That's one other thing. We are not heroes. We did not do anything spectacular other than be obedient to God's call in our life. Mm -hmm. And so, now I'll be quiet. Okay, you're all good. Thank you, guys. It's the pastor. I get you, I get you. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate you. Our praise band's going to come up. Uh, our elders and our deacons are going to be around the crosses. If you have something you want them to pray for that you didn't get to earlier in our prayer time, we invite you to come up and during this time and do that. Um, if, if God's laying something heavy on your heart you want prayer for, we uh, want to offer the opportunity for you to be prayed for. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the story that we got to hear and how your faithfulness, your protection, your guidance led a family to adopt a young lady who hopefully will be, uh, Lord, just thank you for her life and just thank you for the opportunity she's going to have. Thank you for the opportunity we have because you adopted us into your kingdom through your son, Jesus. And Lord, let us live worthy of that calling you've put on our life and make a difference. Thank you for the opportunity we have to give back. Pray it would bring glory and honor to you and all that we do, Lord, let us bring glory to you. In your son's name, amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Joel here, and I am so glad you stopped by. I pray this podcast helps you in your walk with God. And if you're listening with questions about faith of any sort, God is not afraid of those questions, and neither are we. Join us any Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. If you're new to our area and looking for a church home, I hope we'll see you soon and have the opportunity to welcome you properly and personally through our doors. And if you live in the tri-state area, but you're already a part of one of the other phenomenal church families here, I pray this podcast has been a great addition to the primary teaching you already receive from your local pastor and that you've been better equipped to serve your own church family. So let's all go make Jesus famous this week. Share his love every chance you get until we meet again. And God bless you.